Rosie's Eyewear presents The Rosie Hour. Hello, sweet blossoms. I just got back to reality from my um, almost week-long meditation retreat. And I thought, why not record my debriefing with myself? Um, just wanted to reflect on, you know, the experience and what I got from it. And I know a lot of people were interested in hearing about it, so I figured I'd share. Um, meditation has always been part of my journey, I guess the purpose behind my journey to create Rosies and to share Rosies. Um, I'm sure you've heard me tell this story before, but you know, the reason why I created them is because I was finding so many insights with meditation and um, just sitting with myself and studying um, different meditation practices. And, you know, there were perspective shifting sort of realizations that, you know, to be in this moment is as easy as putting on a pair of glasses. Um, to, to see this moment with love, to see ourselves with love is, uh, really, you know, it doesn't take a week-long meditation retreat. It doesn't take, you know, a committed practice, I don't think. Like, I honestly think it's within ourselves at any moment, um, to tune in to just being here, being out of our heads, being out of the planning, being out of the ego-driven, you know, roles of who we think we are, what we want people to think of us, and our expectations for ourselves, our plans for ourselves. Um, you know, life just happens. Um, it just unfolds. It's all, as my meditation teacher on the retreat says, you know, unfolding according to nature. Um, so, anyway, I'm going to share more um, coming, coming up in the next forever, I guess. I'm going to just start sharing more about why I'm doing this. Um, but just to think on the retreat a little bit, um, I guess from the beginning, like it was really unexpected. Um, I, I had been planning on doing a retreat. Um, I had it on my quarter one plan. I have quarterly plans this year. I'm really proud of myself. Um, and I didn't think it was going to happen that fast. I kind of set it as a goal, but, um, I found a retreat and I saw the dates for a weekend where I didn't have anything planned and there was a wait list. Um, so I put myself on the wait list and I didn't think I was going to get in. Um, but at the very last minute, uh, it was last Thursday, I got an email in the afternoon and it said there's a spot open on the wait list, like click here to join buyer entry. And I just immediately opened it and clicked and signed up um, without really looking more into like, you know, what it was going to be about or, you know, talking to my husband about it. <laughs> um, and I'm so glad I did it. Um, it really, I really wasn't sure what it was going to be like, um, being in silence for, you know, almost a week, um, meditating for, I guess, almost seven or eight hours a day, um, punctuated with yoga and talks, um, by a teacher and, um, question and answer sessions, um, it was really profound, the stillness that I found, uh, after the first couple days, um, even within the first day, just getting to, like, a really deep place of concentration and, um, stillness, uh, that I really needed, <laughs> um, you know, I say I have quarterly plans, like, this, this year, has been kind of like the first year since I quit my corporate job to 
you know, become an entrepreneur and start Rosie's and start an Airbnb and um, try to make a living for myself beyond the corporate whatever. Um, and every year since then has kind of been unexpected and um, opportunities arise and I've kind of just taken them on and um, it's I've kind of just been bouncing around from different projects while trying to test this rosy idea see if you know the world's wanted a rose colored glasses company um and so this year i you know it was just a clean slate and i know what i want um this to do this year i i have you know dreams in mind and i made a plan um but i think making a plan like that and setting like really big goals for myself and finally coming back to Rosie's um bringing it more to the to the front it's kind of been on the back burner a little bit the past couple of years just you know trying it out and working on other things um as well but it put a lot of pressure on me um and I didn't realize that until um, I was just, I was feeling like this immense energy in my body uh, recently. And I was eating healthy, I was doing yoga, I was making new friends and being social and um, meditating consistently and um, felt like I was doing, like, exercising a lot, you know, like, listening to my body. It felt like I was doing everything that... I should be doing to be feeling good and I felt great but it's almost as if I went too far um, I felt too good I felt too excited I felt kind of like overwhelmed and I met with my meditation teacher before um, before the retreat and because I was trying everything to try to get grounded um, and when I told her everything she was like sounds like you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself um and you know instead of trying to just do anything about this energy that you feel in your body you know exercise yoga meditate blah 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 why don't you just sit with it and then just let it be um so I did that and it helped for sure um just realizing that I was kind of in this reactive state of wanting to to do something about it and you know, I think sometimes what I've learned through my meditation practice is that, uh, you know, when we're reactive, when I'm um, trying to change something, it can cause this extra layer of resistance, of pushing away. Um, and what I've learned through insight meditation is that when you give yourself the space to cultivate, like, compassion for yourself and love for yourself joy um the sense of peace and you give yourself a moment even if it's just a minute pause to allow what you feel and give it the chance to be you know a messenger for you to just it wants to be heard you know this type of pent up you know whatever it is it's kind of taking over your psyche is it wants to be heard for some reason and you know I realized that I wasn't really listening I was just trying to make it go away so anyway I started sitting with it and um yeah I realized that I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to make things happen I want to make Rosie's this the, the official brand of Rosie's I have this dream to make it this like completely climate positive as best for the planet and the people as possible and I want to find a business partner I want to find mentors I want to find um, investors to support this idea and um, I was overwhelming myself with those expectations and how it was going to happen and needing control over how it was going to happen so um, I was really thankful that this retreat came in at the last second um so I could just pause because with all the pressure I was putting on myself and then with all of the chaos and the hatred and the just 
terror that's happening in Russia and Ukraine. Um, it was it was overwhelming, uh, and I didn't know I didn't know what to do. No one knows what to do. Um, so anyway, I feel I feel really privileged, and I feel really grateful to have the flexibility in my life to be able to turn off at the drop of a dime like I was able to this week to hand things off to people, hand off responsibilities and, you know, tell my business partners and my, you know, people who work for me that, um, you know, I was going to be offline. I just, I feel so grateful to have that because I know a lot of people don't have that chance to really sit in silence for a week and, you know, try to make sense of the world and themselves. Um, so I guess going through getting into the retreat, like the first couple of days, um, obviously like, you know, my mind was racing and, um, just really just sitting with myself and seeing just, you know, the, the wheel spinning thoughts that were, Oh, what I, what do I have to do? What did I not do? You know, I, I did it also last minute that the first day of the retreat, there were still things coming up where, you know, I needed to attend to. Um, so it took a couple days to settle in. Um, I didn't even realize what the retreat was going to be about. It was called mindfulness of breathing. And when I saw it, I said, oh, you know, that looks basic and simple and it sounds like something that can really get me back to the roots of my practice and um you know it sounded great the two teachers that were leading it um had really incredible backgrounds uh the the teacher Malcolm was uh has been practicing I think he said over 47 years um and he was a monk in his like early 20s he was ordained um in the forest monasteries I believe in Tibet or Thailand, in Thailand. And, um, yeah, so getting into it, I, I didn't realize that mindfulness of breathing was uh, a sutta, which is a discourse, a lecture that um, the Buddha gave, so they say, legendary Buddha, um, that he gave to a bunch of monks, I guess, after the story goes, after, you know, four months in retreat, uh, he, at the end of the retreat, he turned to them and he said, okay, you know, this is what I do. Here's my practice. It's 16 steps and it's called the Anapati Sati Sutta. Um, 16 steps called mindfulness of breathing. And you know, the Buddha talks about how his path to awakening is, you know, the direct path. Um, and this practice turned out to be, I guess, a, a pretty advanced practice, um, which I was thankful to have uh, the foundation that I did in studying uh, insight meditation, which is based on the Satipatthana Sutta. Uh, it's the discourse, the first discourse that the Buddha gave, um, the first, like it's called the foundations of mindfulness. So it's really lays the groundwork for, uh, all the philosophy behind, uh, this path to awakening. Um, you know, the basics of it are, you know, dukkha, the existence of dukkha, uh, unsat unsatisfactoriness, um, suffering, I guess people can describe it as suffering. The things that we cling to, the things that we push away, that cause friction in our own, you know, mental world um, and in the external world. Um, anyway, I was thankful to have a really solid foundation, um, but until I got to the end of this retreat, I realized, you know, how deep the practice can get and how how new I still am to these practices. Um, I'm still very much a student, which has kind of left me hesitant to, I don't know, to try to figure out how to share them via Rosie's because I'm still a student. So trying to share, you know, teachings and um, practices without, um, 
you know, confusing them because I still don't know. I'm, you know, not, not an awakened being by any means. Um, so, so the practice itself, uh, walks you through 16 steps and the steps are to eventually liberate you, to get you to that enlightened state, Nibbana in Pali is what it's called in the ancient language of the Buddha, it's Nibbana in Sanskrit. Um, this ultimate freedom, this sublime happiness uh, is the intention behind the practice. Uh, and it gave me so much insight because the way that it's set up, the 16 steps, is to calm your body, like calm your mind. I, there was a quote in one of the talks that, um, that the teacher Malcolm gave, um, he, he quoted, uh, some monk who said, for goodness sake, like this is paraphrasing, but for goodness sake, calm your body, like calm yourself and then seek insight. Um, and you know, my practice was very much about insight for a long time. It was very much, you know, obviously paying attention to the breath and learning how to relax and become concentrated through the, through the breath. But um, I realized that a lot of my meditation was like very intellectual, very in my head um, up until 2020 when I started working with a meditation teacher. Um, but this practice, it takes you through basically uh, paying attention to your breath and meditating on your breath, focusing on your breath, and then coming into your body and calming your body. Um, and something really interesting is a bunch of people that were on the retreat, there's about 20, 25 people. A lot of them were um, practicing or studying psychologists. Um, a lot of them were in training to be meditation teachers. And uh, the um, person leading the retreat, Malcolm, the teacher, he, he's a clinical psychologist. And in each, uh, I guess, each of the 16 steps were kind of divided into, um, you know, each day. So we would focus on some of the steps each day and we would get, you know, we would have a talk, we would do some like guided meditations directed at the distinct part of the practice we were focusing on. And when it came to the body, um, calming the body, he taught us, uh, it's called PMR, progressive muscle relaxation. And I guess this is something used um, by psychologists uh, to help people relax. I'm, I'm not sure I haven't looked into it, but, um, the idea of it is to just, you know, focus on your body and tense different areas of your body. So like you breathe in intense, you know, your hands and your arms, and then you breathe out and you relax them and you tense your face and your neck and your shoulders. And then you breathe out and relax them. So um, that was huge for me. I, I had so much tension before the retreat. I went to my friend, um, Steffi, she's the balanced butterfly. Um, I actually am gonna share a post about it soon. Um, went to her for a two hour session of like, Thai massage and gua sha and fire cupping and just meditation. And um, cause I was just feeling so tense, so energetic, so, so much of my body. Like I said, nothing I did seemed to help. Although the two hour session definitely, definitely did help. I highly recommend it if you ever want to treat yourself. Um, it's, it's definitely a treat to your body and your mind. But yeah, this, this practice and really just spending a day of, uh, you know, we, every, each day was kind of split up. So like in the morning we'd do yoga, then we'd have, um, PB's loud. <laughs> um, in the morning we'd do yoga and then we would have a, uh, meditation right after yoga called yoga nidra, which I'd never done. It's kind of just a laying down. 45 minute meditation guided by the yoga teacher um, who was assisting in teaching the, the retreat. And um, then we would have a break to eat or something. And then we would have a talk and a, a short talk and then two guided meditations. Um, 
And then after that, we would basically have three sessions of hour and a half of meditating broken into 30 minute segments just by a bell, um, 30 minutes to either get up and do a walking meditation or just sit. And by the end of the retreat, I was trying to really just sit through those hour and a half sessions, but um, to have a full day of, you know, was that we have like maybe an hour of guided meditations and then three hours, four and a half. So like five and a half, five and a half to six hours of meditation, um, focusing on calming the body. Like that just showed me so much about where the tension is that I hold in my body. Um, it's really in my neck, which I knew in my shoulders, um, but also my lower back and, um, you know, just really using this like space of stillness to notice where the tension comes up in your body and intentionally relax it through the breath. just breathing into it and you know my yoga practice really helped me through this I realized you know yoga was made to prepare people to sit in meditation and sitting in meditation for that long hurts <laughs> it hurts it hurts your legs like at the way I have set up to sit I never sat you know in my normal practice you know I would never get more than a 20 minute sit in and um, you know, my little cushion on my, in front of my window on my tile floor, the little blanket is fine for 20 minutes, but anything longer than that, like 30 minutes, my legs and my knees just hurt so bad. So I ended up moving to my bed, um, and sitting on my bed and something funny I learned is that like, if your legs are out straight and you're meditating for more than, you know. 20 minutes like you're bound to fall asleep you're bound to nod off um so I was thankful to have the the bells um but sometimes I just couldn't keep my legs crossed anymore um I probably should have brought it up in one of my like question and answer sessions but what I came around to doing is just sitting cross-legged on my bed um with a bunch of pillows behind me so I could lean back so my back was hurting too um and my core was hurting so like the power of yoga to really strengthen your body in preparation for deep, long meditations was just very re relevant. And I do yoga, you know, um, you know, I at least go to a class once or twice a week and I do it myself in my home, but my body was still not prepared for that amount of sitting. Um, so yeah, calming the body, getting into the breath were the first steps. Um, actually the first steps that I learned, um, was setting an intention for the practice and that is something that you know five years of being obsessed with meditation like I never heard in a guided meditation I never heard someone maybe they they set them for you um and they tell you what to do but this teacher uh really told us you know set set your intention and so it really integrated it into my practice to set an intention of um you know what I want what I want out of this and you know there's no goal in meditation of course it's just a practice but you know to set an intention a lot of my intentions were you know to find stillness um that was it a lot is to find calmness to cultivate um love and compassion um, and then towards the end, as we got into the later parts of the meditation practice is to, to let go. And I'll, I'll tell, I'll tell the stories about that, um, as well. Uh, but yeah, so the first, the first step before even breathing or getting into the body was setting an intention, um, and letting go of your roles and responsibilities those you know I once he started saying that I was like okay that's honestly what comes up a lot in my meditation when I'm you know practicing not that there's a goal to stop thoughts like thoughts are always going to come but you can get to a place of stillness um where thoughts arise less uh once you become more concentrated 
and putting those away intentionally in your mind like I had so much visuals going on um, of, of setting them aside and you're rolling up my roles and responsibilities and putting them into a little cabinet and locking them away um, you know setting aside uh, setting aside your concepts that's something too. obviously everything that comes into your mind is a concept you know every image that pops into your head that you put a name to is a concept a tree is a concept you know it's just in reality a bunch of light and you know everything that we name it is some kind of mental construct so putting concepts behind or not behind but putting them away and um, putting aside the hindrances um, that was that was really special too like it this whole thing really just taught me how uh, beneficial these retreats can be in teaching you deeply how all the parts of uh, you know something like a practice like uh, Vipassana or you know serenity meditation there's so many philosophies that come into play that are behind the actual practice um, that I've learned over the years and the hindrances are one of them they're the things that hinder you from cultivating the sense of serenity and insight in your in your sitting so there's five of them they're called the five hindrances that the Buddha named and the five hindrances are um, desire sloth and torpor so laziness kind of sleepiness or just dragging kind of feeling um what are the other ones ill will like aversion or hatred um what are the other ones restlessness and worry uh, anxiety, so it's like anxiety or depression, any kind of like rumination of thoughts about the past or the present. Um, what is the last one? Doubt. <laughs> and doubt, you know, aside from my practice, I never have much doubt in the practice itself, um, but the hindrances translate to your life. Um, they they can show you what, what things you can get caught up on at least for me and doubt is a huge one <laughs> so in the beginning of the uh, retreat the teacher was uh, going through the hindrances to familiarize us with them and you know help us put them aside and he was giving us examples of the things that can free you from the hindrances um, which I was excited because I kind of came up with my own list based off of some books I read and th talks I heard um, that are actually included in my little See the World Bloom scroll as an acronym EARTH that I recently finished reflecting on on my Instagram post so you can find it in my little guide tab. Um, but yeah, the, it was funny because in the talk he was giving all these like you know antidotes to the hindrances and he forgot the one on doubt <laughs> and you know I doubt myself so much in so many ways and it's something I really tried to let go of through these practices in this retreat um but in one of the question and the first question and answer session like, does anyone have a burning question and I was like yeah what's your antidote for doubt <laughs> and he said you know, it's trust in the practice, trust in um, your teachers and the people that you that you trust that have you know shown you or or told you that these practices can help you become more you know free in your mind or you know more relaxed or whatever your intention is for whatever kind of meditation you're doing. But then also confidence in yourself, like confidence in the things that you've seen progress in your own practice, confidence in the shifts that you've seen in your own perspective. Um, and he said, you know, setting an intention is a big part of that, um, kind of keeping doubt at bay because, you know, whatever you set out to do, if you have an intention that's like really heartfelt and, and really sincere to, to your heart of, uh, you know, what you want for yourself or for the world, um, being able to come back to that intention uh, when you're feeling a sense of doubt 
can help you push through and you know believe in yourself and can kind of you know like I said let let things unfold because if you set these intentions and you have a a strong heart and a strong um you know a sincere like wholesome commitment to doing something good um things will unfold and that's kind of one of the lessons I learned is that like you can't make plans, you can't have, there's only so far, like, you, expectations are just expectations, like, it's, things never really turn out the way that you plan them to, um, so yeah, just having this sense of, like, confidence in yourself, and trust that things will unfold, and, uh, that was huge for me, so I really wanted to remember that, <clears throat> um, so yeah, I guess I can share, my own memory for whoever's listening to this my my antidotes to doubt and I think they they lined up pretty well with what the teacher had said um so the acronym earth that I created the first e is for equanimity and equanimity is this really deep sense of peace that's cultivated through meditation um equanimity is this stillness from what I've experienced and what I've learned is just this like stillness to be with things as they are and not trying to change them um not grasping after something or pushing it away just really allowing it's that sense of allowing and um it's that sense of calm that you can have like in a moment so equanimity is my antidote to ill will or hatred or aversion pushing away from something not liking something because it doesn't line up with what you want or what you believe or who you think someone should be or who you think you are somebody's challenging yourself you know it's a sense of middle ground you know not um just just allowing what is um so equanimity is E. A is attentively being here and now. And that is my antidote to restlessness and worry. Because um, restlessness and worry take me into the future, in my planning mind. They take me into my past, about my guilts and my regrets, which is something else I'm trying to let go of. Is like everything's just unfolding everything's just happening why regret you know just cultivating a good heart and um learning you know it's not to say that guilt and regret aren't useful but there's a certain point there's this like there's this concept in buddhism of um skillful or unskillful thoughts and you know the unskillful thoughts are the ones that hinder us the ones that uh cause us suffering this dukkha the sense of unsatisfactoriness and you know attentively being here now in the present is kind of being that place of you know letting things unfold this goes along with the sense of allowing like um you know setting that intention and doing what you need to do but not getting so caught up in what's gonna happen are they gonna are things gonna happen the way i want them to you know, or things didn't happen the way I didn't want them to. And it's the ruminating. It's the cycle going over and over the loops of just, you know, why did this happen or whatever. So attentively being here now, that's uh, also Ramdas, be here now. He was kind of my entryway into this whole thing. Of just like, just let it all go and just be here, right here. Um, R is reconciled with impermanence and that's my antidote to desire and you know it, it all this thread and actually it's funny to see this thread as I talk about this because uh, the teacher leading the retreat Malcolm was talking about how this idea of dependent arising is kind of the whole purpose or the whole basis of buddhist philosophy and dependent arising i guess is 
you know, I think there's a lot to be learned about this concept and this philosophy and um, all the ancient wisdom behind it. But as I've become, start, you know, started to understand it is this unfolding, this causes and conditions, as this teacher would say, causes and conditions. Everything's just causes and conditions. Everything is just happening because something happened before it. Um, it also goes along with this idea of not having free will, which, you know, gives people a weird feeling. I know um, Sam Harris is a really interesting, like, contemporary philosopher and neurologist and uh, deep meditation practitioner and teacher who has, like, a lot of talks and really interesting talk on free will on his app, Waking Up. I highly recommend you download it and listen to it and listen to everything on the app. Although, yeah, no, it's, it costs money, but if you email him, there's, you can find an email online and they'll give you the app for free. Uh, it costs $99 a year, but, uh, they want everyone to have access to it. So you can email them and they grant all requests for free subscriptions, which is amazing. Um, and yeah, so depending on arising and this unfolding of everything, it's like this, when we have this desire, like it's this, in my practice, when I'm, I, I honestly forgot about desire when I was putting away the hindrances. Cause I would just look at the beginning. I was just looking for, okay, what hindrances are here? And it was restlessness and worry. Um, that was it, like restlessness mainly, just planning, 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 planning. Um, but when I started to intentionally go through each one of the hindrances, like using my own acronym, which is like, I don't know, the first time I used that one in my life, like really just like intentionally, you know, I use it in my practice a bit, but this was like, this set things up and it really allowed me a deep sense of relaxation in my meditation because um, I, when I started going through them, I'm like, okay, reconcile with impermanence. That's desire. What am I desiring right now? And like, I think day two of the meditation retreat or maybe day three, I was like getting really worked up about not reaching a deep state of concentration. Um, I guess in Buddhist philosophy is called, uh, Samadhi, the Samadhi experience, Samadhi in Pali. I don't know. I think Samadhi must mean concentration that's what it's kind of related to is this deep sense of just open awareness like open consciousness just being with the state of awareness without any concepts of i'm thinking about being aware or you know getting it you know distracted by thoughts but just resting in that place of awareness and that's something that I've tried to cultivate through my practice and and waking up it's very obvious that um you know Sam Harris comes from a different lineage I think a lot of his practice is based in Dzogchen um meditation practice which I know very little about but they their path to awakening is pointing out this state of consciousness that is just consciousness it's not the fact that we have a witness looking in on consciousness like observing the thoughts and observing everything witnessing every everything that's going on in our mind it's just our mind like it's just our mind there is just con consciousness there's not like there was actually a reminder from the waking up app that came up on my phone during the retreat uh that said uh, there's no person staring at the river of consciousness. There's just consciousness. And that went hand in hand with this, you know, cultivation. But anyway, I was, I was getting into that state at the beginning of the retreat, like open awareness. I did it in the beginning of the retreat. My way to do it was practicing, practicing this open eyed meditation of looking at an object in front of you and then turning your attention back to see what the subject is it's looking at. So like object, subject, object, subject, object, subject. What's the subject? Like who's the subject? And every time I turn my attention back, it kind of gives me this sense of 
openness, this sense of like, you know, there is no object, there's just subjectivity in our experience. Um, so, yeah, the desire to get to that, jumping ahead, I didn't even realize that it was going to be part of what this practice we were learning was cultivating, but I was really desiring to get to that state, and like that was definitely hindering me to calm down and to like just really focus on what we were supposed to be focusing on. Um, and the funny thing about this kind of like reconciled with impermanence, it, it's and this idea of dependent arising is that the practice and the way it was taught to us is that you know these steps all build on each other to allow this naturally natural unfolding of consciousness like this natural unfolding of concentration of of joy like the next steps are like cultivating joy happiness concentration this awareness of the mind this awareness of the knowing of the spaciousness and then you get as they progress you get into um this awareness of like concepts and like mental activity and then eventually through the rest of the steps is is letting go of these concepts and mental activity letting go of our ego essentially our roles that get us so caught up and hindered and you know depressed and anxious and whatever whatever we're supposed to be doing our plans our control over things how we need things to be done everything um the way we were taught is that like each of these steps build on its on each other they allow this to naturally unfold it's a naturally unfolding of liberated mind it's not a i need to get here now like go do it it's a like relax your body you know relax your breath like relax your mind come into this place of tranquility and when you get to the letting go through at least for me through these guided meditations you know when they say it when he said okay so like bring up some mental concept and let it go it, in that state of deep tranquility letting go is a lot easier than it is in regular life so that was really interesting to like reflect on that uh kind of as yeah and as it relates to desire as it relates to the fact that you know all things are impermanent you know to like grasp onto what we have or to you know grasp onto things that we want or reach re reach for things that we want and everything it's you know i don't know just this impermanent nature of the world kind of ties to this unnatural unfolding of the world and this you know, same sense of allowing um so long-winded way to say that's our reconciled with impermanence and i would also say like reconciled with impermanence and natural unfolding which is really helpful for me um t is trust trusting our growth was in my little poem and that is the antidote like i said to doubt um doubting our potential the teacher would call it paralyzing doubt and i had never heard somebody call it that before um but he described it as a sense of being at the fork of a ro in a road and being so overwhelmed with doubt and uncertainty that you don't know which direction to go so you're paralyzed and i felt like that a lot leading up to the retreat and all the things I had to do and all the big goals I had for myself and not quite knowing the little steps I needed to do to get there. Um, so yeah, I kind of talked about that one a little bit as well, like before. So trusting, trusting our growth. And then H is honoring our roots. And this one was really uh, powerful in this meditation. I mean, it, this whole setting up the intentions before once I really got into it and noticed the value and how how it can really uh, allow you to have some tranquility um, as like a starting point before you even get into focusing on the breath um, I think it I mean I didn't I didn't check but it must have the setting up for it and the reflecting on these things probably took about 10 or 15 minutes 
which before for me, like that was all I would do for sitting. Like I would just sit for 10 or 15 minutes. So the power of long meditations really came through here. Like, um, the potency of the states of tranquility that you can get to that then you can then bring these concepts of the things that hinder you into and be in a place to look at them more gently. Um, really worthwhile, like so worthwhile. I'm definitely committed to having this extended practice in my day-to-day -day life um, and doing retreats to ground back because I know it's going to get further and f I'm going to get further and further away from stillness. Um, the more I get back into the world. Uh, so yeah, honoring our roots. That's my antidote to laziness, to sloth and torpor, which, you know, I, I wouldn't call it laziness, more so sleepiness that came up in my practice in this retreat. Um, in honoring our roots, you know, it, all these antidotes I found, like I said, aren't my own. Like they're com they're coming from my what I've learned from teachers that teach this Theravada and Buddhist practice of vipassana and serenity meditation. Um, and so, but it's you know the sense of doing something to rouse your energy, obviously. And for me, like honoring your roots when you're in like sometimes I get into a slump of laziness or like I don't want to do anything like working is hard I'm dragging along like the opposite on my little poem is plowing forward and um you know when I feel that sense of like plowing forward it's like reflecting on your roots like whatever those are what you, it can be whatever arouses energy for you but like for me it's like you know in this meditation where I started going through these it was thinking to all the humans that came before me, like millions and billions and billions and trillions of humans and over millions and millions and tens of millions of years that came before me that allowed the causes and conditions and the natural unfolding to arise to have me come to be, like have my little blip of experience come into being. So, like, honoring that and, like, you know, honoring the sense that, you know, I, from the previous one, impermanence, is like, we don't have that much time here. Like, there's only so many minutes of waking life that we have. Um, so, honoring that and doing something good with it. Uh, and I think meditating is something good because I think when we look within ourselves and we cultivate this sense within ourselves this only affects like what we do in the world and how we treat other people and how we can inspire other people so honoring our roots honoring also the legacy like the buddha was around 2600 years ago you know legendarily these teachings came about 2,600 years ago and they were passed down by word of mouth and then, you know, eventually written down when written text was created. But, you know, thinking of all the monks and the monasteries and all the different traditions that have popped up around this realization of, you know, how we can cultivate this sense of peace, this sense of, you know, understanding and generosity and kindness for each other the buddha talks about three poisons which i hadn't heard in a long time until this retreat the three poisons of like i guess humanity um greed hatred greed hatred and delusion you know like we're constantly deluding ourselves the plans for the future our stories about everything's just a story like everything's just a story and I'd say like most of my stories have some sense of fake news in them that's something my personal mentor would constantly remind me of when I was having a mental breakdown in the pandemic which we'll definitely share more about sometime but yeah I don't know honoring the legacy of these traditions honoring 
all of the monks who've passed this down and all of the people who have dedicated their lives and just gave themselves up to deeply understanding these things and, you know, living in silence and yeah, so long-winded way to say cultivating these hindrances, these antidotes to the hindrances and reflecting on them um, really just allowed me to let go of the things that would tend to pop up <laughs> in my meditation and you know the keep those things at bay you know because there's more important things that lie below the superficial worries and doubts and you know laziness those are all so superficial like things that can hinder us there's there's deeper things that start to come up once you can put away the things that have very uh tangible antidotes so that was huge yeah that was really huge i will definitely continue to be doing that in my practice <sighs> wow there's so much more to say I've been sitting here for almost an hour. <laughs> um, it's actually really fun. I'm really like appreciative of like having this platform to sh to share. You know, to have somebody, some imaginary person on the other side to talk to, um, to like reflect. Obviously, I, coming out of silence last night, I blabbed to my husband and recorded it all because I wanted to get the fresh fresh stuff but um just knowing that you know whoever this lands on can potentially help them even just have some tiny realization that will help them be happy a little bit more like be peaceful a little bit more have a little bit more love in their perspective um yeah i'm really grateful that i've i've done this and that i've like have somewhere to post it, have somewhere to share it, have some people who I know who are interested to listen. Um, it's really cool. So if you're still listening, thank you. <laughs> it really strengthens my practice. It really strengthens my dedication to keep sharing this stuff. Um, the world needs it. <sighs> I'm going to take a little break and get some water, <sighs> breathe, collect myself. Maybe I'll continue tomorrow. Maybe I'll continue in a bit. Um, there's so much more to tell and to reflect on. So I think this is going to be like a never-ending thing um, to keep reflecting like this. To like feel like I have, I'm talking to somebody who needs it, which somebody recently told me to do with my the way I'm sharing this story. Um, so I hope someone's listening who needs it. I'll be back soon.